Welcome to the Knights of the Billiards Table Podcast Network. This is the Master Debaters Podcast. We finally came up with a name for our news program. It is August 27th, 2013. Thanks for joining us, folks. Killian's <coughs> been looking stuff up, and uh, we actually did a little bit of homework this week, so we might actually know what we're talking about. We, we might. We might. This is uh, Killian signing on. <laughs> I'm Tom Brokaw. <laughs> I'm, yeah, Tom Brokaw. Anyways, yep, we're back for a, another weekly I could, installment of. I could, I could be Bill O'Reilly and just yell <laughs> every time you start to make a good point and just yell over you. <laughs> That's true. But who else does that? Pierce Morgan. He he kind of does that. Yeah, he'll like cut you in. Yeah. Like you'll you'll be making a point and then he'll just come back with another question and be like, dude. Let me answer my first question. <laughs> no, I'm asking a simple yes or no. Should we blow up Syria? Uh, there's a lot more to it. Yes or no? <laughs> Do we kill them all? With fire. Uh. <laughs> all right, anyways. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll just go ahead and right in with it. Talking about, um, you know. Syria. Syria. Um, I guess... We should probably give a little background information for those who have not been following and keeping up with it. Um, I mean, I know I'm not that well educated on the subject. I just know that, you know, we're a few days away from World War Z or whatever. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Syria has, has been in the news lately because uh, they've been, well, they're kind of a gateway to Iran, which is obviously been beef with us for a long time they're backed a lot of the time by russia russia will go out of their way to defend them because a lot of times it's russia that's supplying them guns and weapons and shit like that uh syria has recently been proven by uh un health inspectors that were finally after a long time given access to their country to investigate uh deaths in certain areas of the country uh They've had rebels that have been trying to fight them off, and the government has now been pretty much proven to have used chemical weapons to attack their own citizens and kill off the rebel forces. Syria is vehemently denying all these charges, saying, no, we know you found proof. We don't care. That's not true. That's not what happened, blah, 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 blah. So uh, it's kind of up in the air. Uh, more recent development uh, in this is that uh, Obama is entertaining the idea of uh, a two-day strike, basically just spending two days talking with rebel forces. They found some military sites that the rebel forces need uh, addressed, so they're considering – Obama is talking out with his advisors and such the idea of spending two days and just taking out a bunch of military sites – uh, government military sites just to help out on the uh, for the rebels, which of course, like Egypt, who knows if the rebels are going to be any better uh, at protecting their people than the current government is. Which you know, the difference is here: Syria is using chemical weapons to kill their citizens. So, uh, the idea, to me at least, of Attacking Syria is just a way to start, you know, pushing in on them eventually ground or whatever. Uh, 
or if we start fucking with them, Iran has said that they want they will likely take an active role in the conflict, which will escalate. Uh, Russia is not happy. Uh, we're not going to be able to get you an approval to do anything because on the council, uh, Russia is a member, and Russia is not going to approve anything. And any one member of the UN Security Council can veto any motion, and Russia is just not going to let that shit slide. So that's not going to end well. <clears throat> we're not going to get you an approval. However, Great Britain. France and Turkey have all said that if we go, if we decide to do some attacks, that they're behind us and that they'll help us out. Uh, I'm not trying to draw out another Afghanistan, another Iraq of 10 years of bullshit fighting in a country that's not ours for people who are not our people. Uh, just I, just I, to install some form of democracy. That, that yeah, some thing that will eventually get taken over by Iran, just like that's what we're worried about right now in Iraq, is that Iran's going to get in there and, uh, you know, as soon as we pull out, they'll install their own people and, you know, through elections, quote-unquote, and get people that they approve of and that will back them into power. And that's what we're afraid of in Iraq, and that's what will end up happening probably in Syria if we end up in a conflict the way we are currently engaged in in Afghanistan and Iraq. So I don't think this is very smart at all. Um, well, just taking a step back, like as far as obviously, uh, well, since our commander-in-chief, the president, he doesn't necessarily need our Congress's approval to do this. He does for budget. That's the way they keep non-war things, even though they're not, he's not going to – no one's going to declare war. Uh, the way we – they are able to balance, you know, check him is – and it's the same thing we had to why, – why Bush had to go and approve, you know, talk to Congress for Afghanistan, talk to Congress for Iraq. Any kind of massive push like that, it's going to re- require budget adjustments, and he has to get approval from the Senate for that. Okay. Um, And then the other thing, which it doesn't really have an effect, but you talked about um, having, you know, uh, the UN's backing. Um, I mean, I guess technically we won't have United Nations backing because of Russia holding that vote. But pretty much, you know, the other members, the other countries said they will back us, even though we won't. Exactly have. I mean, am I saying that right? Um, China is wishwashy just because they don't like us either. (laughs) So we'll we'll have – I think on the UN Security Council, we'll probably have more for us than against us. So – but – but on if if hypothetically if if these attacks were to happen and other you know back and forth whatever like we would have support probably just on the individual front as far as other nations rather than the United Nations as a whole even though the United Nations doesn't really have like a standing army or anything like that but its army is comprised of you know nations yeah. Putting their armies up and then sticking their blue helmets on. Uh, 
the issue will come into that could come into play is international law, and some of these laws haven't really been put to a real test, and we don't know how well you know that'll play out for us. If the UN doesn't like it to a certain degree, then theoretically, you know how we depending on how we decide to approach it, we could be in some international legal issues, but. They can't really do nothing. There's to us. no way to really enforce these laws because we are very much like sixty percent of the budget it, of the UN it, is the United it, States yeah. backed. So, and as far as standing army, I, I can I can imagine we are a very much larger percentage. Yeah, we're a significant part. Of the, so even if they were to say naughty, naughty, there's nothing really stopping us from ignoring them, doing what we want anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I guess. Individual countries like Russia and China could potentially like have their own kind of, um, you know, obviously they wouldn't like go to war, but they would just, you know, protest our, our goods and ex- imports and exports. I don't know. Russia just- might. China can't. That China would never do that because we are a massive source of their income. Yeah, not just from our national debt, but goods and services. Oh yeah, that yeah. We, we, you know, it's we, traded. It would be dumb of them to do that. Yeah, um, yeah. We don't get too much from Russia. I don't know it, but the reaper vodka, <laughs> vodka. <laughs> we get we get some pretty yeah, get some decent uh, vodka. But uh, yeah, the the repercussions of the whole thing is just like like you were saying with going into another war and that something. Yes, he talked about just a couple days of just bombing certain you know bases and camps, but. Obviously, that's not going to sit well with um, Iran, um, most more specifically Iran, but also Russia. Um, and there's going to be some type of rebuttal, some counterattack or something. Yeah, uh, Iran has uh, said something to the effect of basically if we do attack – you know any kind of military targets that they they didn't say specifically what to do, but they basically said we're we're going to get involved somehow. We're we're, we're going to take an active role in this, and that's just opening the floodgates because then obviously Iran will want some type of backing from Russia, which could cause something. Which means, well, okay, Russian troops potentially they actually have a military force or presence even if they don't really do anything it can just escalate into you know yeah uh, just the it, theoretical escalation of this gets scary when you're talking Syria to Iran to Russia to you know a whole full blown middle east you know i don't know why we seem to think that thousands of years worth of hatred between the Middle Eastern countries and tribes, we're going to fix it. It's yeah, it's delusional on America's part, and it's been a constant, you know, talking point for politicians in America. We got to secure it. We got to, you know, we can get peace in the middle. No, you can never get peace in the Middle East. Yeah, it, you're delusional. There's just too much, you know, uh, hatred. Uh, and animosity amongst the different nations and different cultures that it's just ingrained for generation after generation. Like, religious and then even within the religions, the different sects yeah. of uh, 
Islam don't like each other, and then even you know tribal, right down to tribal. The biggest problem we have in Afghanistan is there's only one real city in Afghanistan. The rest of it's just tribal warlords. So, like, we can't install a government as we know it over there. Because not because they don't yeah. care. Well, they don't. They're not going to abide by it. They're not going to listen to it. Yeah, they enforce their the warlords enforce their own laws in their own areas, uh, and they don't. They've never answered to a central government. We think we're going to somehow get in there to Kabul, and now they're going to listen to it. And you're diluting. It's no. no. It's just thousands it's a of different years. World. This is how it is. Yeah, it's a different world. It's a different culture. Just because. I can loosely say that democracy works and, you know, our nation and a couple other nations, but, you know... It's not it, for everyone. It's not for everyone. On the other hand, I understand, I, I mean, they don't have much to offer, but it can affect, like, I can understand why they would want to have um, democracy in some of these countries to kind of um, pick up... You know, trade and export. It's to solidify oil interests. Yeah. We may not be, like, directly receiving oil from Iraq, which everyone says blood for oil. Well, kind kind of, but not really. Like, we don't get any oil straight from Iraq. We don't. It goes through other countries. It's refined in other countries, and then we get it through them. Yeah. Uh, But, I mean, like... That was was strategically done. Well, yeah, definitely. But it it definitely would have an effect on us if, hypothetically, we could install a legit form of government in some of these nations, which would definitely help just world trade and world export of oil and probably other things as well later. But, I mean, obviously, oil would be the the main focus. Yeah, Iran and Syria put push oil to Russia too that's why they're kind of friendly yeah uh, so I just I'm the, uh, originally they were talking about just you know some of the idea of spitballing was like a no-fly zone to, which for rebel forces of any kind you know any kind of rebellion air assets is what's gonna you know eat you alive there's nothing you can really do to battle that you don't have you know yeah they so i think that wouldn't be too bad of an idea you know just no military fly zone over the area and you're not directly getting involved but you're giving the rebels a chance to handle their own business Mm -hmm. if you start dropping bombs on the ground i mean to me that's a change that's that's a different action completely like of you're taking an active role in the attack yeah exactly you have physically put your foot in yeah uh granted they don't have tanks to battle government tank you know the regime's tanks but if you look at afghanistan when russia invaded afghanistan they 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 ran for they eventually had to run away which is too much of a clusterfuck they had tanks the people of afghanistan didn't have tanks but what we did was secretly give them any air and let them kind of take out the air assets on their own. And then they just had RPGs to take out the tanks. And then there was a ground game, and it was just – they didn't win. They just didn't lose for long enough, and it was too much money. Russia – that was part of the de- biggest decline in Russia at the time when it was the USSR, when it was super communist and crazy and so you know, that – 
the uh, the Soviet bloc collapsed in a significant way due to uh, the Af- Afghanistan war. And there's nothing there. I don't, you know, there was there's nothing there for them to fight for. They were just fighting to expand the Soviet empire. And that's kind of where you see, you know, Syria and Iran and, you know, all that going. We don't have to, we need to let them fight their own war and just give them a fighting chance. And I think, a, a, I, th- I personally think a good way to do that would just be create a no military fly zone. Any kind of military aircraft takes off, we shoot it out of the sky and just let the battle, you know, let them handle their own business, kind of. We hit for the longest time for years and years. We were had that over Iraq before we ever went in. Yeah. Before we ever considered going in, we had a no fly zone for uh, I think since the first Desert Storm. It's just because we were trying to set them up to let handle their own business. Yeah, and we, it just didn't you know, happen, and we had to push. Yeah, definitely in the Clinton administration and stuff. There was you know obviously selling them weapons and you know you know just yeah exactly to let them. Where we were basically a third party in the situation. We weren't physically there to take a sides. We were just kind of, you know. And I, I definitely agree in that aspect. Like, it's, it's their fight. It's their issues. Um, we can do what we can to make it, you know, a fair. Give them a level, level playing field. Yeah. So, and then what happens from there happens. And then that's what we, you know, I guess directly work with from there out. So the uh, contradicting statement to that would be just uh, they're chem- using chemical weapons on their own people. How can we like not get involved in that? Uh, yeah, and I, I watched a couple of the videos of some of the people in these that had to come in for medical treatment and stuff. Obviously, they didn't have enough, but some of the it was just really kind of eerie shocking to see some of these victims that were just could not breathe their eyes were rolling in the back of their head they had like muscle spasms and these weren't just i mean like you know men they were like women and children oh yeah i saw a a picture of uh two dead children that were just on the side of the street and their eyes were still kind of cracked open but they were they were dead it was just really creepy and yeah, and gives you shivers. It's that kind of chemical warfare is that kind of, you know, that's like, I don't know. That's just not humane. That's not. It's really fucking disgusting. Yeah, it's not ethical. And especially like when you're in, exposing these chemical weapons to just, like, because there is no, when I shoot a gun... I can aim and point and I pick my target with these chemical weapons that just kind of disperse in the air. There, there they, is no, they just hit cities. They just, yes, it is just an area and whoever is in that area will be affected if not killed by it. And that's when you have women and children being, you know. Now, something you won't hear from the U.S. government about is uh, Bahrain. We have a base in Bahrain, which is at a pen, a, a, a the entrance to the sea, uh, Arab Sea, uh, what is it? can't remember the one. It's the one Iran has access to. They have destroyers and such. And we have a base there. And in order to kind of compensate for that, we give the Bahrain government uh, non strictly non-lethal, uh, basically like smoke bombs and smoke grenades, di- different kind of deterrents that are all like smoke-based. 
well, we'll never hear from the government, but we give them billions of dollars of this stuff. And what they've been doing is just riding out in choppers and dropping it in the cities, just tossing out outside of the chopper. Well, that's been killing women and children, people with breathing problems, emphysema, old people. Uh, it's been really affecting children, too. And I'm not going to mention that. That's They're our friends. We like them. They have We have a base there. We have to keep that base there to be able to keep our uh, vessels that are in that sea uh, supplied. Yeah. And uh, that's something that you will not find on many news sites. NBC will never report on that because the government will kick them in the head, you know. Yeah, I... I, Cut off ties, not give them info, stuff like that. That's how the government uh, puts a stranglehold on news outlets. Uh, It's just they won't talk to them about stuff anymore. You know, you you talked about something that we weren't okay with you talking about. Well, when the next thing comes up, we're not going to give you any intel. We're not going to give you any leads or, you know, anything like that. That's how the government is, you know, restricts I always find freedom it, of speech. Like I, that. I always find it interesting when we have issues like this, when there are talks about, of you know, just having airstrikes on these, um, you know, these military bases and stuff like that, uh, how even before it's happened – it's all over our news. Like, I just, I don't, why would you post that? Why would you let that? I mean, obviously, I don't think it was necessarily intended, but why would you post that all over? It's what the 24-hour news networks were made for, like we talked about last week. They were made for shit happened at 9.30 at night, and we, bam, we got a lead. And they just, you know, some somebody, a lot of these sources... Uh, talking from the uh, U.S. government were anonymous. None of them wanted to be listed, uh, yeah, and named. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's you get an anonymous lead on something like that, you're going to run with yeah, it. You're going to spend the next week or two just talking about. It. He might do it today, and they said um, that the attacks might happen as soon as this Thursday. Yeah, and I, I guess from a standpoint of there are people who do leak information like that because they're just not okay with. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. So they. It's a forced check on the government. You know, but. Since they don't check each other really on certain things, they just kind of look the other way. But if if something were to happen, I don't know. I would much rather it be like a surprise rather than giving all this notice and stuff. Like, I just. Just in general, I feel like. I mean, even though it's freedom of speech, if. And the, it's not nothing against the news network specifically, really, because, I mean, that's their job. It's more against the people who break these stories. Well, and it may be intentionally leaked as a way to scare Syria into straightening their own shit out a little bit. That's uh, it's, it's very possible, too, yeah. It, it's, you know, it's happened, and they'll they'll talk about these kind of things, you know, sometimes just to, uh, you know, Oh, it's an anonymous source, so this is some shit they're really talking about. They might actually do this, you know, just to freak them out and, you know, put them on notice, something like that. So I don't see that as being outside of the realm on this on this uh, particular story. Any either uh, Secretary, what is it, Secretary? Yeah, Secretary of State uh, John Kerry. You know. Oh yeah, he's, he's he talked about it and 
said, you know, that we are definitive about the fact that it was chemical weapons. We know for a fact that that's what it was. Yeah, and he, he definitely feels very strongly that they should be held accountable and there should be repercussions for their actions of the chemical warfare. Yeah, and I'm tired of the UN's response to everything is just to send a nasty letter to them and not really do anything. Yeah, that's, I mean... That was the biggest problem with Saddam Hussein in Iraq is we just... Stop it. Come on now. Since the beginning of the United Nations, they've never really had that power. Because someone on the Security Council is always holding There's either they have that veto card for whoever's on the the Security Council, and then the fact that their standing army is made up of, you know, United States, Britain, France, you know, Russia, et cetera, et cetera. Like, we don't have to send our people there. Yeah. It, and I guess to be fair on that front, at least that's what the UN was made for: is to talk it out. The UN was never made to be a military force. It was created to have a central area where all people, even people we hate, that's why we allowed Ahmadinejad from Iran, you know, the leader of Iran, to come in and talk in the in New York City. Uh, was at the UN security. It was at the UN give out speeches and stuff and so that we can talk it out as opposed to fight it out. Yeah. And I guess it just, it frustrates me when we're looking at things like chemical, biological, and nuclear, anything like that, when you're using that on innocent people, that should be an area where the UN has a firmer hand. Like it shouldn't be, Maybe, I don't know. It should be a def- more definitive, strong hand when it comes to something egregious like that, when you're just cleaning out cities with but chemical wh- weapons. How? how what, what is a way that the U.N. could have a stronger hand in the matter, what, where they have their words have more backing? You know, That would be where we'd start bombing shit, you know. <laughs> I mean, it, that, it can't, we can't just, like, have the UN send out a nasty gram to everyone and then it not be backed by something. Uh, I get sanctions and like the concept behind it is good. However, when you get to extremists, uh, extremist leaders like that, they don't care. When you say we're not going to do business with you, we're not going to import and export. Those kind of crazy people, the kind of people who are using chemical weapons on their own people, they don't give a damn. It's not – that doesn't uh, register with them as something that matters. They don't care about that part. All they care about is maintaining their own power and keeping their job basically is, you know, anyone in power wants to keep power. So – Sanctions are a good idea for some situations, but when you're using, when you're dealing with crazy people that are in charge, the, it, your sanctions don't mean anything to them. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> well, I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see what happens in the next couple of weeks and coming months, and yeah, we'll see if this is a scare tactic or if you know the UN or the US have full intentions of. You know, kind of giving them a wake up call. So, but I hope we'll at the very least, or at the least and most, <laughs> I hope we will implement a no fly zone over Syria and let the rebels 
uh, have their opportunity to fight the government for their own people. And hopefully we won't take it any further. Yep. Hopefully Iran doesn't get too involved and fuck things up, force us to do something different. Yep, because then it's just a downward spiral. Yeah, it's a clusterfuck. Yep. So, um, I don't know, it's changing topics. Uh, another issue that was brought to my attention earlier in the week, probably late last week or something. Though You may have seen the link posted on our Facebook page. Yeah, uh, yeah both Dan and I, I think, posted it, and uh, it was... I wouldn't say it's something that's, you know, in the current news, but it's always something that's an uh, issue. Um, I've read an article just talking about um, how much it pays to be on welfare. Um, I've I've just been doing a little research, reading some statistics and stuff, and um, for most states, uh, let's see... Basically, uh, I mean, obviously, most everybody knows what welfare is and, you know, or aid for dependent children or whatever you want to call it. They've changed the name a couple times. But um, it's just the idea of the money that we are spending year after year for these programs without any real – I mean, when you're talking people in the millions who are – physically on welfare and it it gets really hard to put restrictions on them and to enforce these restrictions so many people have been taking advantage of these government funding programs for years now and it's to the point with all the added benefits that a lot of these people are making more than you know you and i i know uh there's currently uh, one of the statistics as of 2012, um, the number of states where welfare pays more than $8, like equivalent to an $8 per an hour job, is 40 out of the 50 states. Um, there are currently seven states that welfare pays more than equivalent to a $12, hour per, uh, $12 per hour per job, and nine out of the 50 states... Um, if you are currently on welfare, you can make more than the average salary for a teacher in this country. And it's those shocking numbers that I came across uh, recently last week that just really, um, I don't know, it just shocked me that we're spending this money. Uh, it kind of disappoints me. And I don't know, I have differing opinion, like a different opinion, but I just don't. Well, I know a couple of people who work at like uh, Food Line and stuff like that, Farm Fresh. And what annoys them is, you know, first of the month rolls around, everyone comes in with their food stamps. And people buy all kinds of good, you know, food with the food stamps. And then they'll take their own personal money and spend a shitload of money on booze. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah, I get you want to have a drink every once in a while, but like I've seen, you know, I've seen a post more than once where uh, a friend of mine uh, posted it, that, like had a full blown party going. You know, they got a shitload of stuff on food stamps, shitload of food, and it's all party food, and then a shitload of uh, beer for 
you know, I think it was, uh, I think it was around Fourth of July, so it was probably a Fourth of July party. So that, to me, oh, yeah. is, and I, I've seen it also uh, working at, or I've seen at my job where people come through the line and they buy all their food with their food stamps or government or snaps or whatever you want to call it. They're government funded. Um, so it's nothing out of their pocket, and then they have a second transaction to buy that 64-inch TV flat screen that they wanted. Exactly. You don't need that. No. And, you know, um, nothing's, nothing's more annoying than uh, somebody driving a, a BMW or a Mercedes-Benz and is on food stamps or something like that. I make uh, close to double the minimum wage, and... I qualify for food stamps. No. I don't use them because I budget. Granted, I don't have children, so it's a lot easier for me. I'm single. I'm not, you know, I'm not married. Uh, I could probably qualify for government-funded housing or, or at least some assistance with fu- housing stuff, you know. But I don't. I don't. I just... I don't like being dependent on other people for my stuff. I like to earn my money and then use my money and just restrain myself. Forced discipline. Yeah. The the I mean, there's a couple of issues here that obviously the people who take advantage of these programs for years on end. They um, the statistic as of 2012, uh, close to 20 percent, 19.6 percent of people who are on this program have been on this program for over five years. Over 25% have been on the program for two to five years. I understand the point is to help somebody in a time of need when they're incapable of working or somebody who has recently lost a job. Hit hard times. Hit hard times. That, that is the perfect time to for these kinds of but uh, programs to step up. That's after, great. I like that. I will fund that happily. But when you're the majority, you know, almost half of the people have been on it over two years, at least two years. It, that that I feel like says something about the people, and it's not anything to do with race because it's it's I mean it's pretty even as far as blacks and whites, and there is a decent number that is Hispanic as well. Yeah, this shows thirty eight percent white, thirty nine percent black. 15% Hispanic, 2% Asian. So it has nothing to do with race. It's just the people who aren't, who are really, there are people who make kind of a career out of this, and they're taking advantage of the system. Um, it's not that they make a career. They just, they don't care. Why would they work when they have no incentive to work? When you're not threatening with, with, with a due date, okay, by this date, you need to be employed somewhere. Even if we reduce your your government assistance while you're working there, till you get a little, you know, a better position where you're making more money, but until you're at least, you know, employed in some way within a year or two, like I get, it's hard to find jobs, especially right now. It is, but we, it's it's meant melt well. The 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 government assistance programs are meant to help. Not to replace your income. Yeah. They're meant to help your income, not repla- not completely replace it. Yeah, I, there are. I mean, obviously, with a lot of these unemployment benefits and 
and stuff. They say you have to apply to at least like one or two jobs every month or every week or I don't remember, but there's like a certain number of jobs you have to apply in a certain amount of time. And, but there's no real checks on that other than that you type in the name, excuse me, type in the name of a business on a website and type, write down their phone number and you say that you applied. And, and even if they call back and say, we want you, you don't have to say yes. Well, no, I'm saying like you literally don't have to apply. You just pull out the yellow pages, find right. a business, write down the name of the business and a phone number and go to the government website or whatever and then say you applied. And theoretically, I guess the number you punch in, there's someone supposed to call in and verify every once in a while or something like that. that yeah. You, you know, in, th- in theory. And, yeah. Uh, but when you're – you know, benefiting, you know, well over 4 million people in this country, there's no way you're going to be able to check that. Yeah. So I, I know it's very hard to check, but I just feel like there need to be stricter regulation on the benefits. Also, uh, I don't see why there is resistance to the idea of drug tests. I don't understand that. Con- like, why would you resist that at all? Uh, illegal drugs are illegal for a reason. Some of it's stupid, in my opinion, personally. However, if you have money to spend on drugs, then you have money to pay your own rent. You have money to buy your own food. I mean, there's no reason you should – anyone – and they say it's racially profiling. Are you saying uh, – you know, people say it's racially profiling in some way. I'm like, well, are you saying that black people or Hispanics are more likely to uh, consume drugs? That's not racist. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a racist statement in and of itself to to you know combat combat yeah, that it, with that conversation. That's I feel like in the like a capitalist society and capitalist nation that we are. If somebody is going to give you money. They can. I feel that they can put any stipulations that they want on it. Yeah. I just, if they said you have to be able to do a back handspring before you can get this money, who am I to say you can't do that? It's their money. They can do what if they I, want. If I'm an employer, I can set a rule that you have to piss clean, and I can drug test you every week yeah. because I'm giving you money. You're working for me, and yeah. these these are the standards I'm going to hold you to uh, in order to receive this money. And just like if you don't like those regulations, you have the freedom to go somewhere else. You don't have to work for them. So you can quit at any time. You don't have to physically give a two weeks notice or anything. You can quit at any time. But at the same regard, they can fire you at any time for whatever reason they like. Yeah, that's a, I mean, it's. So, I mean, if they're giving, if you're taking their money, they can put whatever stipulations on it that they want. I feel like they should put more. Strenuous. When we're talking about spending, uh, in the year of 2012, you're looking at 100, almost $132 billion spent and in welfare. And that is not including uh, food stamps or unemployment. Okay? That is just government spending on welfare services. Okay? The, and then all of a sudden it jumps up. So far this or for this year, they have the government has spent over $500 billion. Now, as a context, <laughs> one of my favorite statistics to always look at is NASA's budget. Since the inception of NASA, and this is including inflation, if you add inflation to the actual number, 
If you inflate the 1960s and 70s numbers to current dollar amounts, we spent, we have, the entire NASA budget has been spent, it was uh, like $500 billion. And we're, we spent that so far this year on welfare. On welfare. Uh, we went to the fucking moon and back many times. We have an international space station, which we are a huge funder of, floating around in space. We had fucking shuttles go up and back to space many times. But we're in, on that money, and we're we're spending all this money just to help people who... Some of them don't need help. Some of them are just lazy. Yeah. I have uh, some people like try to make the argument. Uh, some people have argued about the article stating uh, that it was more of uh, the article was kind of bringing out the point that the uh, minimum wage is really low. That the minimum wage should be raised, and it was kind of like a, a diss on the low uh, standard of living, low minimum wage requirements in this country. And to me, I don't really understand that argument for the fact that a entry-level minimum wage job is not supposed to be comfortable. Yes. Welfare, in that same regard, is not supposed to be comfortable, but people have found ways to make it comfortable for them, which is ridiculous. The fact that somebody an uh, entry-level job is less comfortable than somebody who is on welfare uh, really says something on what where our money is going. But the idea that we should all automatically just go ahead and raise the uh, minimum wage up to like 10 or $12. That'll solve all of our answers. And that is proven that that's not going to solve the issues. Obviously, you know, minimum well, wage goes up. Uh, you know, everything else around it will go up. But the I just really feel like the idea behind an entry-level minimum wage job should be something that makes you work harder because you don't – want to be there like you want to move up in the company you want to find another job it should inspire you and make you work harder not complain and just so they can hand you some more money like that i just feel like that is the idea behind an entry-level job and some people a lot of people mostly left wings think oh we should just give them some more money well uh, I just pulled up a statistic on minimum wage and uh, adjusting for inflation uh, up to 2012. If we adjusted for inflation, uh, the minimum wage should be $10.74 right now. So I think there's you know some validity to that. I'm not against raising it, but some people are talking $15 for fucking flipping burgers at burger at McDonald's. McDonald's people had a, you know, protest a while back. They were protesting the the shitty wages. Aspire to more. That that would be my first statement to you is mm-hmm. aspire to be more than a burger flipper. Yeah. Um that's why we have it should be inspiration to you it should be this is fucking horrible i want to be more i want more money and i this is going to drive me to be more than i am right now 
that's what I, you know, like you were saying, it's it's not meant to be comfortable. It's meant to be shitty. It's supposed to be shitty. You're doing a shit job for a reason, and you're getting shit money for that shit job for a reason. It's meant to inspire you to work your way out of that. Uh, yeah, but I, I'm not against raising minimum wage. I'm against, uh, you know, obscene numbers of it. You know, people talking fifteen dollars an hour, like I was talking about. Some people were saying fifteen dollars an hour should be minimum wage. You're, and then people who bring up that argument, uh, liberals, Democrats, they will a lot of the time come up and say something to the effect of, uh, "I don't." You know, whenever you tell them that employers will not be able to hire as many people. They seem dumbfounded by the idea. Like, how would that affect it at all? They seem like they legitimately look confused at the concept of that. I don't get how you could be lost at that concept. <laughs> yeah. If I have to, if minimum wage is seven dollars an hour and I have two employees, you raise the minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour. I have to fire one of them if my budget's tight and my on my yeah. business. On the same dime, I will have to have half as many employees because this employee will cost me twice as much now and what a lot of people don't realize even if say a yearly salary of thirty thousand dollars for an employee the amount of money that the in uh unemployment insurance health insurance if they match 401ks that the business puts out to hire a thirty thousand dollar year salary is going to be closer to 60. They're spending a fuckload of money on you just to have you employed that you have to put you on your – even if you're not on health insurance with the company, they have to put you on uh, just like shop insurance. So, if, you know, you work like in a warehouse. You're working around a lot of heavy equipment. Shit drops on you. Uh, roll The well, forklift rolls over your foot. Something like that. You are on an insurance program, yeah, and they have to pay for that. If you're a delivery driver, you know, uh, my shop has delivery drivers for the parts that we supply. We have to pay for the insurance for the cars. We have to, you know, it's it's not as simple as oh, we need to hire more thirty thousand dollar salary people because it's closer to sixty for the company that's employing you. Yeah, and then that's just. Per employee. Yeah, that's and per then, employee. You basically, it's so almost then, double. So then when you take that into account for each employee, now you're going to have many businesses that will not be able to stay afloat at that rate. And then they will go under, file bankruptcy, whatever. And, I mean, obviously that's just – Small businesses will fail and those big corporate structures, the Walmarts, the McDonald's, will be the only ones who have jobs. Y'all hate, you know, a lot of people hate them, but they're the only ones that can weather shitty economic times like this. Yeah, because they've already, they're established, they're already, uh, you know. Smaller businesses will go out of business first, and that, the people who would go to, who would go to those smaller businesses are forced to go to the big box stores that are able to weather the storm. Mm-hmm. It's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, but, and you will still, lose jobs available yes because while these companies will will still be afloat the walmart's you know whatever these big corporations they will still be afloat but they're still going to have even if they do expand a little bit their places positions available are only going to go up a little bit whereas all of these 
positions available in these small businesses are just going to be gone. Yeah, the overall number will drop even if Walmart and Burger Kings and big corporate structures is going up. It's not nearly as much as being lost from the small businesses. And that's what gets cut out. Um, so, I mean, that's just going to obviously hurt our economy, obviously our em- unemployment rate. It's just, it's not good business sense. Yeah. we. What I think would be a good investment rather than minimum wage, or not minimum wage, but the uh, the welfare system as it sits, our infrastructure in this country from and by infrastructure that means roads bridges tunnels power lines gas lines water lines things like that is tanking in safety and reliability across the board the country with like the highest rate right now is china the you know the highest quality we used to be at the top of that game if we want to really invest in America, invest in Americans, get people employed, get them off of welfare, take the money we would spend on welfare, you know, reduce it by a significant amount, and spend all that money on government-funded, rebuild the roads, fix water pipes, and fix power lines that are falling apart, fix bridges. There's so many bridges that are decrepit in this country. It would scare you if you look. I don't remember the numbers but i know it it made an impact on me how horrible our bridges our safe the safety ratings on our bridges are because they've just they're just old and we're not spending the money to maintain them we can't spend them we're not we're not not, budgeting for it we budgeted to build it but we did not budget to maintain and replace when necessary so i think one of the best things we could really do would be to pull the money away from uh government assistance Get those people that would be on that, maybe reduce it and, you know, put them at a minimum wage or, you know, a little bit above, maybe raise the minimum wage to 1074, which is the adjusted for inflation number that I just found. Raise it up, get them employed, help them out a little bit. We wouldn't have to spend so much money on the welfare if we could get them employed and we'd be fixing our fucking country. We'd be fixing bridges. We'd be fixing yeah, like power we hire, And it, it could be, uh, you know, it would be government companies it would be private companies that we hire to fix this which would in turn create obviously they have jobs to do so that would create job opportunities for people it'd be i think we could fix a lot of you know we kill two birds with one stone our failing cripplingly failing uh infrastructure and unemployment slash welfare we knock two birds out with one stone that's what made after the after world war one we went out of we had the great depression money hit rock bottom we were fucked world war two happened and we knew after world war two the government knew we had to do something so we created the interstate act or i forget the name of the act but it's an act that was basically to build internet interstate highway system across the country so you take all those soldiers coming back home from war and you put them to work they already had jobs lined up they were already ready to work they were they went straight to work building our interstate system brilliant the problem is we built it and we did not budget to maintain it properly maintain its safety ratings and stuff like that so i think we can knock out two big birds with one big stone and it would it would get people working again it would 
you know, who knows? They might find that they like working. They like the challenge of the job, you know, and inspire them to do their own thing, make their own businesses and, you know, compete against, you know, whoever they were employed for before on the same bids to fix stuff. Yeah, I mean, it all comes down to, like, I feel like if capitalism truly works is we have to have people who inspire to do better than they are now regardless of your situation you have to inspire to do better if you have people a large percent of your population that want to just take handouts or just coast by it really i don't know capitalism can't really award work to its full potential yeah i think we spend too much money on stupid shit and not enough on the important stuff yeah I think the prime example would be, you know, the welfare system versus employing people. That money should be spent on employing people. Yeah, rather than just giving it away. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's obviously, as of this year, over $500 billion. And we're talking our national debt. And it's August. Yeah, it is August. We got three, or the end of August, we got three months left, or four months left in the fiscal year. And we are at over five hundred billion, uh, and and we are complaining about our national debt and stuff. And if we just cut that number in half, I mean, there goes a lot of our debt right there. Well, take that, take the half, spend it on jobs, spend it on rebuilding the infrastructure. I mean, the way the water system and the gas system works these days is nobody replaces anything until it breaks. When you have a water line break. They've known about it for a long time that that was going to fail. It was just a matter of when. All of our water systems that have been in place for a long time in major cities, they don't replace them until they explode, till they break, till they pop, till the you know thing explodes and pours out water all over the city. And then you got to dig up the line and fuck up traffic for a couple weeks while they get the damn pipes in and drill it out and replace those ones. Those only the ones that broke. Won't be long before the one right next to it breaks, and you have to replace all that, and you go through the same shit again. It's ridiculous that the way we're spending our money on just here have it as opposed to here earn it. Yeah, it's just this entire we've created an entitlement culture, you know, from head, you know, from top to bottom. We've made an entitlement culture. Yeah, when you have people who just feel entitled to this money, well, it's my go. It's my government. They should give me all these, you know, handouts and this, that, and the other. They have no sense of to better themselves. There's no... There's no reason to. Yeah. There's no incentive. Make it worth their while to work harder, better themselves. Like you say, I mean, it's aspire to be more. So, on that note, I think we've talked long enough. Yep. We hit our magical hour mark. Uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. At KBT Studios on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash KBT Studios. Keep in touch. Let us know what you think. Subscribe, rate, review, review us on iTunes. We got the pregame podcast coming up. Probably going to be another Friday show. I don't know. Hopefully not. But that's up to Josh's schedule. And in the meantime, I'm out.